Welcome to the Gamers Inn. Come on in, pull up a chair next to the fire. It looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host, Jocelyn, and joining me, not as always, but filling in for Ryan, is our favorite go-to guest host, Josh. Josh, welcome back to the show. I'm your favorite? Yes! (laughs) I love having you on, dude. You always come up with these super cool games that I've, like, never even heard of, including (laughs) the one that we played today, and I swear to God, was the most fun that I've had in a video game in, like, I don't even remember how long. So <laughs> it's totes amazing. It was. Uh, the game I'm talking about is Overcooked 2. And I had never actually played the original. So when you were like, oh, yeah, I'm playing Overcooked 2. That'll be good to talk about. I was like, oh, cool. I'm going to go look and see what this is. And then we ended up playing like what, like two or three hours, I think, this afternoon. Yes. It's yes. so much fun. It's so much fun that I bought it for the PC first. And then Josh told me that he was playing on the Switch. So I was like, okay, well, I'll refund my Steam purchase. I'll go play on the Switch because then we could play together because that's the one thing. I played a couple of levels by myself. And oh, no, it's not the same. No, this yourself. game is 100% designed for two people, at least. I don't. Is there how many people can you actually four. play with? You could, Oh, my God, you can play with four Up players. Four, yep. And it gets so much fun. Like the oh, the first Overcooked was a blast, but the biggest downside was it was couch co-op only so when they announced online play for overcooked 2 i was like did you just make an amazing game even better (laughs) yeah because i mean like so playing on the switch the controls are are fairly simple except i always have this problem when i switch between systems is i never press the right buttons it's like (laughs) it's like okay press a and then i end up pressing b and then i'm running around the kitchen boosting instead of actually like picking things up (laughs) in your defense nintendo like compared to xbox and playstation nintendo has swapped the a b or x circle button so what's normally the cancel button which is the right button on the you know up the top left right bottom on the right hand side of the controller Normally, the right-hand one is the cancel one, and the bottom one is, like, the activate or accept button. Yeah, it's the do something button. (laughs) Nope. Nintendo's just switching on up. So, like, I'm jumping between PlayStation games and Switch games right now, so I go to cancel something on the Switch. It's like, did you want to activate? No. (laughs) (laughs) And I find the opposite is true for me, is, like, I'm trying to, like go into menu options and then accidentally going back to the previous (laughs) menu it's like yes i want to purchase this game do you want to cancel no (laughs) so the jump between uh like other consoles and nintendo always throws me for a loop and it's even more obvious in this game i find because you're trying to do something you're timed there's another person that you have to work with and so josh and i did it in super hard mode because we weren't Like we weren't using voice chat at all. We were just, you know, (laughs) sitting there trying to emote to each other and throw things at each other. Four emotes. We had serving, cooking. um, Okay. (laughs) Okay. Uh, You could do like the curse word one, which (laughs) Which I used little symbols (laughs) above your head would just pop up. It wasn't an actual quote bubble. So in this game, like trying to communicate with those 
It's like I was standing over by the chopping board, emoting <laughs> serving, and you're like running around with a piece of meat. Like, what do I do? And I'm like serving, serving, serving. I thought you were telling me that I should be putting that on the plate. <laughs> and I was like, it's still raw meat. I can't just put it on the plate. So uh, Overcooked 2, we should say, uh, The in case you're not oh, aware, yes. the general gameplay is that you are working in a kitchen. There are ingredients. There are plates. There are... Um, chopping boards and various methods of cooking. So there's like big pots, there's frying pans and there's like deep fryers. And so each ingredient has to be prepared in a certain way. And then either some are cooked, some are not cooked. Some don't even need to be prepared. So for instance, like buns for hamburgers, you just put the bun on the plate. And then there are orders that pop up in the top left hand corner, which I always forget to look at. I'm just like, I noticed. oh my God, <laughs> I just need to make all the things. And if I just keep like preparing ingredients, then Josh will put them together like they're supposed to be. <laughs> I noticed you weren't looking when we had to do chicken fingers and fries. Yeah. <laughs> and we needed one chicken, like one chicken finger by itself and one fry by itself. <laughs> Somehow we swap places to where you were then doing the fryers and I was shopping and I was like, okay, good. All she's got to do is turn in those two plates and then you combined them and turned it in. I was like, no, the next two orders. You skipped like four orders ahead. I know. And it's because I see, I can't even, I'm struggling to even make sentences through the laughing because guys, I, this was just so much. I cannot stress how much fun this was. So uh, yeah, there are there are orders that pop up in the top left hand corner. And in some cases, they're actually for for most of them, they're not always the same. I feel like in Correct. the in the first world, the orders were pretty much always the same. And it was like, combine the ingredients that you're given, put them all on a plate and then go. But then the more worlds we progress through, the more crazy the recipes got. And like you said, sometimes it's like. You only need one piece. Sometimes you need another or sometimes they're combined like with the with the chicken fingers and fries. So I'm totally not reading the recipe or the uh, orders in the top left hand corner at all, which was a little bit detrimental. (laughs) But the whole idea is you try to uh, fulfill the orders and then you get tips and you have to hit a certain score in order to get uh, one, two or three stars in a certain level. Yes, and I feel like you underplay the kitchen, though, because the the biggest mechanic in everything is just the insanity that is these kitchens. Like uh, the first couple ones, you're like, oh, this is kind of easy. You know, there's not much going on. This pretty nice outside sushi place I got here. This is pretty cool. I think the outside sushi place one that I was like. Because in the outside sushi place one, there's like two bridges on either side and there's like people walking through your kitchen. And I was like, what are you doing, people? I don't understand. You're all getting in my way. And it took me to literally the end of that kitchen to be like, oh, they're purposely there because they're obstacles. (laughs) I get it. Sorry, they just replaced people with giant holes on the the kitchen that you can fall into and then ghost ladders that disappear and... Yeah, so that's the thing. Each different level has a different kitchen layout and some of them like move and change. 
And the mechanics get more and more difficult because you have the the chance as you move on to uh, use things like portals, which again, I didn't notice the portals till like the end of that <laughs> first level where they introduce that mechanic. Um, you can also throw ingredients. So sometimes like I'll be on one raft, Josh will be on another and he's throwing me ingredients that I then have to chop and then throw the chopped ingredients back in order for him to cook them. So I like those the best because I'm like, OK, I'm on my raft. You're on your raft. We each have jobs <laughs> and yeah. I can't get in the way. When the kitchens were separated, we did well. And then yes. we got to the raft ones that actually got close enough to where you can cross between rafts. Then it just turned into chaos because <laughs> I was like, oh, I got to clean these dishes. So I got to hop on her raft. And then you jumped on mine and then they separated. I was like, oh, no, my raft. I have the clean plates. What, what are we doing? And and, there's and a see, couple of the them thing. where we ended up. I had we no idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a couple of them like the level would morph in a way where we'd be both of us trapped on the same side. <laughs> and like everything we need is in the top part, but we're trapped on the bottom part for like 30 seconds, just kind of spinning in circles like, hey, you know, what's up? Yeah. And that was, I mean, because I'm totally not familiar with the levels whatsoever. So I don't, I like, it took me a while even to try to figure out what the, like, what the pattern was for, like, where things are going to move. And usually by the time I got the hang of it, the timer was done anyways. Yeah. (laughs) And we, at first, we kept redoing levels over and over and over again, trying to get three stars. And then finally, I just gave up on that. I'm like, I want to see as much of this game as I possibly can before the show. So I'm just going to keep moving on regardless of how well we did. But we, I think, with maybe one exception, got two or three stars on every level we did. So I I felt pretty confident. But um, man, I find the controls really difficult. I don't know what it controls like on PC or if they recommend a controller or what. But I I kept like picking up the wrong thing <laughs> or like well, trying to interact with the counter next to what I wanted because it's uh, like a it's a joystick. Right. So correct. I will say that. The first Overcooked felt a little bit more fluid in that manner. Um, however, it's the chaos and the anxiety of the whole game itself that helps lead to that. Like, that's how my kitchen caught fire that one time. It was like, <laughs> I was picking up a burrito roll, but I wanted to pick up my pan that was going to catch fire. I put down the burrito roll. I turned and I picked up another burrito roll <laughs> that was on the ground. I was like, no, my, my pans are going to catch fire. And then they caught fire. So it's and then- just like the chaos and like uh something another person i play with they have trouble with is like they'll constantly hit the a button mm. so instead of like you know picking up that pan and then okay we're good they'll pick it up put it down then panic that they just put it down then pick it up and put it down again i'm like no just hit it once just hit it once <laughs> that that is one thing and i don't know if it's if it's me or the game mechanic but i found i was doing that all the time too and i think what i was doing was hitting it too rapidly and so i was like picking up putting down picking up putting down and then i turned and then i was like oh no i ended on the wrong like number of button pushes so i think yeah. I, because you're right it gets so chaotic and you're so panicked and you've got like the notifications telling you things are burning. You've got the notifications telling you that people are going to get really ticked off and run away because they didn't get their order because yeah, orders the don't stay forever. There's like it's, a certain amount of time before the person will get ticked off and leave. So you have to make sure that you're getting your orders, even though I don't pay attention to that quarter of the screen. But you yeah, have to make sure that you're full of annoying sounds. Like it's oh, my the, God. Like, so when the orders many. fail, it's like, eh. 
And then when your things is overheating, it's like dee, 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 dee. and then there's the timer that does the same thing. So if you got pans that are burning at the same time that the timer is getting low, at the same time that you're missing orders, oh, it's just a mental wreck. And you're like, oh my god, I'm trying, everybody, please. <laughs> I that's how I felt like very much like throw my hands up in the air, like I can't do this. Oh my god, <laughs> so many times. But then it's it's so funny because you start to feel like that because you've just got too many like things going at once, and then the level ends and it's like. Oh, I actually did well. I had enough coins. Yay. <laughs> yes, the scores that you need to pass actually change depending on the number of players. So ah. if you're playing solo, um, like one of the early levels playing solo, you just need 20 points, which is like one dish. Uh, but if you're playing four people, that's probably would have been like a two or three hundred score just for one star. So it actually ranks up higher in difficulty, like completion wise the more people that you have, which totally makes sense. And I feel like two people is probably good. I don't know if I would want more people. I feel like later three on, or four you're going to want. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Later on, you want more. And there's some things that like some levels that we were doing that we did pretty well would have worked even better with at least three. Uh, and you don't realize it until you had a chance to play with three or four people that you go, oh, you know what? I can handle chopping. This person can do the ingredients this person's running dishes like it becomes like crazy organized with four people but it still somehow keeps the chaotic point because the guy doing dishes like i'm bored let me go chop something oh no we don't have dishes (laughs) we don't have dishes my stuff is burning and it's just like a house of cards that all falls down so you gotta tell your dishwasher to just wash the dishes that's it right (laughs) you have one job But it's so much fun, and I'm so glad they put online playing it now because oh, such an amazing game. Yeah, and I, so I feel like uh, I still haven't had a chance to try couch co-op, but I'm sure that uh, Matt and I will give that a shot later on. But um, playing single player, we should talk about the controls of single player a little bit because I did give it a try and I struggled with it a little bit. So you basically have to press your left bumper to switch between characters. So there's still two characters, like two cooks in the kitchen, and you switch between controlling them, which I was, I don't know, I I had a really hard time like wrapping my head around that, I guess, although it was also the first couple of levels that I played before I, we figured out how to, how to actually do multiplayer. But um, using the bumper to then change characters was like a little bit, jarring i guess i don't know i just i didn't like i ended up usually just like running around the kitchen just controlling one character and having the other guy just stand around yeah uh the like the main point of that mechanic is that they've increased the time it takes to wash dishes and chop stuff and if you switch characters while you're chopping something that guy will still continue to chop right so like that's The only reason that mechanic is there is because, oh, instead of feeling like you're wasting time chopping food, we'll give you another body to run around. Um, If you play the game a lot, you'll start to see how you can utilize two people at once. But that's more of like a hardcore completionist kind of style of playing it. This game is outright designed for more than one person. Yeah, because I can see how like there are some levels where the two sides of the kitchen are completely separate. So you have to have two bodies just because the components that you need 
are only on one side of the kitchen. So it's like you can only get ingredients and chop on the left side, but all the cooking happens on the right side. And there's some sort of divider in the way that you have to toss ingredients across. So you would to make the mechanics of the game work, you have to have two bodies in the kitchen. So I think there was another one that um, because there are levels where you can die and then you respawn after like a six second timer. And there were there were some times when we got totally screwed over by those because it always spawns you back on your starting point. So if you have switched kitchens like we did, then I accidentally fell off the raft at one point and then got respawned back in my kitchen and you were there, too. And then we had to wait (laughs) for like 30 seconds until the kitchen switched back again. And then I was like, okay, now we can both go on different ones. But yeah. This game yeah, that's when is... you just twirl the joystick in circles. That's <laughs> what you're supposed to do at that point. <laughs> but yeah, this game was super, super fun. I think it was like it was less than $30 Canadian for me um, on both uh, PC and on Switch. And I think I'm actually going to hang on to my PC copy because I feel like this would be so much fun to stream and play with viewers personally. Yeah. Like it's so chaotic and so crazy that this this just I I love this game so much like I can't I can't hype it up enough and, and uh, again like you loved it and we didn't even do voice chat and right. voice chat just adds a whole nother mechanic because not only is it like uh you know at one point you know you keep falling off the level and you're just like oh my goodness you got to listen to other three other people just laughing and then no one's paying attention and then all of a sudden stuff's catching fire. Yeah, just there was you're laughing, which makes me laugh, which makes that it's just the having voice is just a whole nother side to it. That's just so much fun. Yeah, there was one level that had uh, two separate kitchens that were connected. There was a big, huge gaping chasm down the middle with this little uh, wooden bridge going across it. And then there were a couple of other holes in other parts of the level. And as soon as it because it shows you a preview when it's loading of what the level's going to look like. And I just texted Josh. I'm like, I'm going to die. <laughs> <laughs> and then I think I fell down holes about 10 times in that. Lo- like literally 10 times. I was gone for a good minute just waiting for the respawn timer over and over and over again. But see, I'm really bad at is, cutting though, corners <laughs> is that. You fell in such a way like you faced the cliff as you (laughs) fell that whatever you were carrying stayed up top. So like I'd see you just fall down a hole (laughs) and then there's a pan of cooked steak there. And I'm like, oh, well, I need that steak. Thank you, Joss. Pick it up, put it in the burrito and serve it. So, yeah, you had to wait five seconds. But you know what? You took one for the team and we still got the stuff. (laughs) <laughs> and that's the important part, right? Oh, definitely. So again, yeah, guys, you should go and check it out. Overcooked 2. I believe there's also a bundle on Steam that gets you Overcooked and Overcooked 2. And I feel like that was like around $40. So if you haven't played the original or have any kind of like idea that you might want to, then you can pick up the bundle. But uh, if not, Overcooked 2. Is it also available over on uh, PlayStation and Xbox as well? I believe so, Yes. I know I have the original on Xbox, um, but I think they did release this across all platforms. Yeah. So uh, it just I believe it just came out yesterday or the day before. So two days um, ago, Oh, two days ago. There you go. Yeah. So no wonder you're so far. For some reason, I thought it came out today what? and I was you like, act like I've been playing it for 48 hours. <laughs> well, you did say you were in like world six. 
world six with three stars on every level before that. Jeez. Just so saying. then you're saying that <laughs> I'm the problem then. <laughs> oh, no, you found solutions that I didn't even think of. Like when you put all the pots on one side and all the fryers on one side, I was like, wow, that makes this so much easier. Like just looking at it and thinking about it. And, oh, my pasta's up here. My fried stuff's down here because the levels will sometimes split it up. So I was like, hey, good. That job, was Jones. not on, that was not on <laughs> purpose at all. It still works so well, though. That level was like a million times easier. And I was like, wow, you know, she I don't know if she did this on purpose, but man, this is so much easier. Yeah, not on purpose at all. Well, it still worked. So good job. I'll have to remember that for next time I go and try to get three (laughs) stars on that level. Uh, But yeah, so Overcooked 2, go and pick it up. Uh, Josh, what else have you been playing this week? Uh, Well, I'm getting back into like I. Pretty sure I mentioned it last time I was here, but my computer died. So computer games for me are kind of if it's less than 10 years old, I probably can't afford to play it on my laptop. So I've been playing a lot of console games again, revisiting some classics like Horizon Zero Dawn, only one of the best games on the PlayStation 4. Yeah, I think Horizon Zero Dawn was my pick for game of the year last year and is probably one of my favorite games of all time. It's so good. I can't wait for more Horizon Zero Dawn content like it. They have to make more, right? Yeah, I like I tell people the only reason Horizon Zero Dawn, like the only flaw that it had was that it came out the same year as Persona 5 and Zelda Breath of the Wild. Like the contention for game of the year last year was tough. But in yeah, no 2017 way, was an amazing yeah. year for gaming, for sure. In no way, though, is this game anything less than a game of the year quality kind of title. Like the story's amazing. The gameplay is amazing. It looks beautiful. And it's just ah. even though I know the story, which has an amazing twist, easily one of my favorite twists in gaming, even though I already know what it is, I'm still loving this game. There's just something about taking on giant mechanized animals with a bow and arrow that just feels so good it really does the combat itself was super fun and super smooth to play and i'm sure that now that we are over a year i guess it released about a year and three or four months ago so almost a year and a half old they've got to have like bundles and deals and all kinds of stuff so if you haven't already picked up horizon zero dawn like Come on, <laughs> go and give it a try. Yeah. Now that we're in kind of a lull, it's summer gaming, unless you're a Blizzard gamer, and I'll talk about that in a minute. But um, Horizon Zero Dawn, so, so, so fun. I'm actually going to Google while we're waiting or while we're waiting, <laughs> while we're doing a show. <laughs> Way to go, Joss. Because uh, I, I want to know if there's actually going to be another um, installment, because I feel like well, I haven't heard anything, but like there's there's got to be something coming there's got to be a sequel right with that game you can do dlc there is one dlc with yeah the uh frozen something um yeah but i feel like the way the game is like story and you know just the environment and everything about it i don't think you can do a sequel no i think No, I don't. I just I don't think you can do a sequel. I think you can make like the developers can make a game that has similar mechanics. You know, has that same feel, but is a whole different game within itself. Uh, I just don't think you can do because the story was that good. Like 
you know, you're going to mass affect it, you know, you're like, oh, we could do an Andromeda. And then you find out that you probably shouldn't have done an Andromeda. Like, <laughs> Well, to be fair, they totally could. OK, so I can't find any information. Doesn't look like there's been anything announced for further Horizon content. But um, to be fair to the Mass Effect series, the, the trilogy was very good. Andromeda failed not necessarily because of the story. Andromeda failed because they were just trying to do too many things and they lost what made Mass Effect good. But it was also their fourth game, right? Like, I feel like Horizon could do a sequel. I but just, well, I don't really know what it looks like. Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like there's exactly. so like, much I, more of that world that I want to see, but I don't know what the story would be. And I think that's a good thing. It's because the story was so good. And like you said, the twist was so good and so unexpected that it's like, I don't even want to try my mind. Oh, yeah. I was like, I, I don't, I don't even want to try. It it's only a year and a half. But, <laughs> but yeah, I don't even want to try because I feel like they are so good at storytelling that anything that I come up with wouldn't be as good as what they would come up with. So I don't even want to try to figure out what the sequel could be, but I feel like it's there. there well, that world was so could, rich. Yeah, I guess you could go in a different part of the world because this is on Earth. Yes. Um, so I think you could, but you're jumping away from the main character in mm -hmm. that sense, unless she's traveling to another part of the world to do something. Because the main character was amazing. Yeah, they like, did a really good job with Aloy. Aloy was like, yeah, Aloy, Aloy, whichever. Well, yeah, it's Aloy, even though it's like Alloy, which is like metal. Like but, metal, yeah. <laughs> um, But yeah, like I loved playing that character. So I think you can have her go somewhere else. But I think it's really going to be hard to live up to the story of the first one. That's why I'm always so hesitant when I see like sequels to great games that I'm like, oh, man. Because the thing with Mass Effect, the first three games were all one great story. That's true. So when Andromeda came out, it was like a whole separate thing. I don't think you can really continue the story as it is in Horizon Zero Dawn. But you can have her go somewhere else to do something else, you know? Man, yeah, just, even the DLC, the Frozen Wilds DLC was kind of weird because of how it fit but didn't fit into the story. It was like it's it had its own like end game, its own like boss, but you could play through it at kind of any point. And so it was kind of odd in that it didn't acknowledge the fact that if you'd already completed the main story, it was just it was totally separate, but right. still compelling. And I feel like maybe you might be on to something with the idea of exploring a different location. Although the horizon zero, like the zero dawn project was worldwide, right? Like they pulled scientists from all over the world. Although you could potentially go somewhere else and see if like the Chinese or the Russians or somebody was like, taking right. a different approach to try to solve well, before, that same original problem. Before I add on to it, spoiler alert for anybody who's going to play Horizon Zero Dawn, like part of Operation Zero Dawn is kind of what we're touching on. But you're right when you first said they pulled people from around the world. And I think the multiple bunkers that they created for the operation, 
I don't think they were all in the U.S. I think. Like, I'm replaying it now. I'm not that far into the story, but I think they are dotted around the world. I think. Oh, man, I don't remember. Now I'm even I definitely know the that the conflict was, like, worldwide. Like, there were multiple different fronts sort of thing. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, there's potentially something you could explore there. But it's like, since you already know what the twist is of Project Zero Dawn, it's like, is going back and exploring like how things played out in other places in the world, is that actually compelling now that you know the twist? I don't I don't know if that's enough. Right. That's the thing. Like, that's why I don't think a sequel for this is going to work, because like the cherry on top of this game was that twist. And it was like, oh, man, like I was thinking this and the game's like, psych, gotcha. This happened. And you're like, oh, my goodness, my mind is blown. And once your mind is blown, it's hard to pick up the pieces and be like, oh, OK, well, let's do this again. Yeah. Put it back together and blow it again. <laughs> yeah. So now there uh, is that post credit scene. That hints at um the main kind of like he wasn't necessarily your ally, but he wasn't necessarily your enemy. He was this really weird yeah. gray character, which I really enjoyed um, yes. hinting at him essentially just always looking for knowledge and being willing to do anything to get knowledge, which is what made him gray. He definitely did things that were not like good guy things but See, then he uh, also did things that were good guy things so he kind of balances out into this interesting gray area and then right at the end with the post credit scene it's the it's the hook of oh we're not as safe as we thought we might be so i feel like that might be their jumping off point but then you're bringing back like the same enemy Right. Like, are you maybe potentially in the next game, assuming there is a next game, going to just try to prevent? Well, although that's kind of what you're doing in this game, too, right? Is trying to prevent the apocalypse, essentially. Yes. So then well, could you even go down that route or would it be too um, too much see, the I, same? I think I read too much into the post credit scene because I felt like it was very uh, analogous to what happened in, I guess, our current time, like in the past to the guy who created the AI that went nuts because he was always seeking knowledge. And like it was kind of like a, oh, despite all this time that's passed, humanity still hasn't learned. And like he was supposed to like the Greg, you know, not on your side, not against you guy. It was just kind of like a symbolism of, hey, you know, we didn't learn the first time when we played with this stuff. Mm hmm. Looks like we're not going to learn again. Like I took it as a. I don't know, like there could be story, but it could also just be like uh, this isn't a happy ending, guys. We're doomed to repeat the same mistakes. It did make it feel very cyclical, which is why you might be right about not being able to do a sequel to that, because because it's so cyclical, it's like, OK, yeah, we've already seen this story play out. So is there even a point to do a sequel? I don't know. I just, I want to be in that world more and I want them right. to tell me more things and I want them to shock and surprise me again. But I don't, I don't know how they do that, but 
I think replaying it is a really I feel like this game is going to be very similar to Majora's Mask for me, where even though I've played it to completion, I'm still going to want to play it start to finish again. So this is this might be a come back to it every, you know, couple of years and and just, you know, keep the PlayStation 4 around until we're all playing augmented reality, everything. And it's (laughs) totally like ready player one. And I'm just like, nope. Still on my PlayStation 4 playing Horizon We're going to be on our Ready Player One avatars playing our digital PlayStation 4s. Ah. (laughs) Playing digital, digital Horizon Zero Dawn. I like it. I like it. (laughs) It just keeps going meta after meta, you know. Yeah. I love it because, yeah, like I said, I just this game was pretty much flawless to me yeah. anyways so i'm yeah it just sucks you want more but you just know that you, you just anything know else that probably you won't be as you know? good yeah <laughs> i mean it looks like there's a board game coming out so i did see that thing. because i thought that was hilarious <laughs> because at the same time i'm talking about um, a couple of episodes ago i mentioned that we had been playing a lot of gloomhaven and then the news last week was that gloomhaven is getting a video game and then now the news is that our uh, like one of my favorite video games is getting a board game so they're just kind of like flipping me <laughs> from <laughs> mediums and i'm like and i'm gonna play all of it <laughs> so it's a you good got peanut time butter to be in my game. chocolate you got chocolate in my peanut butter like that's what's going on right <laughs> exactly. now in the video game industry <laughs> exactly well, i guess the game industry in general yeah and that's the thing and i love because one of my favorite board games is actually the uh portal board game i think it's so fun you basically have to you're like building test scenarios trying to kill the test subjects and the board is like constantly moving so it's kind of like a conveyor belt as the little uh so you're playing as the machines trying to kill the the humans it's oh man it's so much fun so i feel like there's um precedent for making video games into board games and it's it's good precedent i'm sure there's examples of terrible ones but (laughs) My experience with video games made into board games is that it works and it's awesome. Yeah, you're thinking about video games made into movies. That's yeah, that's where they seem to have a lot of problems. (laughs) Um, So I mentioned a little bit earlier on about how crazy the summer has been for you if you are a Blizzard gamer. And I couldn't let an episode of Gamers In go by without mentioning the fact (laughs) that we got a new Hearthstone expansion this week. So the Boomsday Project launched on Tuesday. It's been really, really fun. The This set seems to have some of the craziest designs that we've ever seen. Like the Hearthstone team usually steps it up, but there's just some insane effects in Boomsday. Yes. Including one of my favorite cards that I think they've ever made because I think it's super good for the game and it's super good for free to play players. And that is Whizbang the Wonderful (laughs) because you can craft one legendary card and he gives you access to 18 different decks without you having to own the card. So Josh, right? Oh, it is random. Yeah. So you make your Whizbang deck and then you queue in to your opponent, whether it's friends or ladder or whatever. And then when you queue in, you are assigned a hero and a deck recipe from that hero. So there are two deck recipes for each of the nine classes, so 18 decks in total, but it's random every single time you go into the game. So the great thing is that 
it's not dictated by your collection at all. All you have to do is spend the 1600 dust or if you're like me, the 3200 dust because you had to have a golden version because then you get (laughs) all golden decks and the golden coin and golden heroes and golden hero powers. So I don't know why you would ever make a regular was bang like he is totally worth the golden craft. I'm pretty sure that's illegal in most places. (laughs) It has to be golden. I think within the continental North America, it's it's illegal it's illegal to have a normal whiz bang exactly (laughs) i've seen people go to jail serve hard time because they took the easy road and did a a regular whiz bang (laughs) so josh have you been playing hearthstone at all or is is hearthstone uh, hearthstone just a me thing uh i don't play hearthstone it is one of the few esports that i watch a lot of and i do watch uh streamers play it um and i enjoy it through that and I have I will say my enjoyment level of watching Hearthstone has like quadrupled since the release of this expansion. And like it's also cringed a little like I was watching a streamer earlier who had a rogue and they were making what's that bouncy one? Pogo hoppers. Did? Yes. <laughs> he was doing a pogo hoppers deck. But instead of like cloning those things in some fashion, he was cloning a Noyotron bots the mm-hmm. the little one shield yeah. yeah oh my god listening that animation sound again and again <laughs> and again he had like six of them on board and he's just whittling away the enemy one hit at a time and all you hear hello 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 oh my god that's my favorite it's, it's so cool but oh this is the worst way to go down just <laughs> listening to this all these annoyotrons just hitting you in the face but they're true to their name right so it makes total oh. sense <laughs> i like i hated it when we had two in the deck now this guy's making like 15 of them and i'm like oh man why couldn't you just clone the pogo thingy? <laughs> I'm so glad that they brought back Anoyotrons. Uh, so Anoyotrons were from the very first Hearthstone full expansion, which was Goblins versus Gnomes. And Anoyotrons were amazing. They were so fun and had adorable art and adorable sounds. And then now in Boomsday, there's like uh the double annoyatron card the one yep. that makes two of them the like it's the giggling inventor or something yeah like there's that. that one but then there's also the one that's like the two four with taunt and divine shield that's just two annoyatrons smooshed together that says how that says howdy 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 instead of hello 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 that one. <laughs> yeah it's uh yeah i'm glad that they brought back the annoyatrons and the annoyatrons are also in a lot of the art even if they aren't actually like created in any way shape or form by the card they're still present in the art like annoyatron heads and stuff oh man Mm -hmm. this expansion is so fun and we don't yet have the single player stuff but that should be coming uh i can't remember if it's next week or the week after um i don't really know why they don't launch the single player stuff at the same time as they launch the collection i guess it's probably for stability reasons because i think the one time that they launched everything together they had a lot of server problems So I think that's why they stagger it. But I'm kind of sad that we don't have the single player stuff yet because the single player stuff with this expansion, I can't remember exactly what it's called, but it's basically puzzle mode. Obviously, it has a super fun Hearthstone name, but it's puzzle mode and it gives you I think there's three different challenges under each type. And so you have to do a different thing with the setup that you're given. So you either have to 
find lethal or clear the board or like draw the rest of your deck, all these kinds of things depends uh, which one you're playing. But then you have to do the thing. You have to like solve the puzzle. So it's not just win the Hearthstone game as all the previous single player stuff has been. It's or, um, achieve a certain goal. So I think it's going to be really fun. And this is something that I think was inspired by a lot of the stuff that the community has been doing because, oh, who are the guys that do the Trinity series? I'm totally blanking now on who is actually responsible for them. But Trinity series used to have during the Hearthstone breaks, they would have uh, pre-created videos that were basically like spot the lethal. And oh, yeah, I remember those. Those are pretty cool. Yeah. So that's basically what this mode is going to be, is the the spot the lethal type videos that Trinity series used to have. So. I think it's going to be really cool. I think it's awesome that they're taking inspiration from some of the community created content. And I'm glad that we're not getting another dungeon run monster hunt thing because I got pretty sick of those pretty quickly. Although See, I, the puzzles I, really I don't think are going to the puzzles I don't think are going to be that replayable. Like, I feel like once you figure yeah. it out, figure it out. Right. Yeah. Like, I really enjoyed the dungeon runs um, when I jumped back into Hearthstone how was it for? I think it was the first time around they tried the dungeon runs. Uh, I really enjoyed those, but after a while it was kind of like, okay, well, I know what deck wins when I'm warrior, and it feels like everything else just gets crushed, so if I play a warrior, then I got that. Oh, okay, I did the rogue. Okay, well, this deck looks like it works. Everything else I try gets crushed, so I, that's what I play when I do rogue. So after a while, it just kind of got like, okay, well, it's the same thing. It's over and over, and as long as you're learning from mistakes eventually you're gonna beat it and then what yeah so. and i i always felt uh for me the reason i didn't really love it is that it felt like it came down to rng way too much in order to make yeah. it challenging like that's how they made it challenging is because like you would get these every once in a while you'd get these big awesome treasures that you could put in your deck but then if you picked one treasure that did something like, say, put a bunch of minions on the board just for sake of argument, and then you get a boss as your final boss who super punishes using a lot of minions. And it's like, well, had I known that was going to be my final boss, then I would have picked a different strategy. So yeah. that's what really started to frustrate me about Dungeon Run a lot. So I'm glad that they moved away from it, because to me... If I'm thinking of a dungeon in terms of like World of Warcraft, you always have a strategy going into a dungeon or a raid. You always know what your bosses are going to be. And I think that they're they maybe leaned into uh, Dungeons and Dragons a little bit more in that way, because Dungeons and Dragons, you don't know what's happening. You don't know what's upcoming. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like they maybe should have gone a little bit more the WoW route and said, OK, here are the eight bosses in the dungeon that you're currently in. Create a strategy accordingly. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Kind of like um, like it can still be random, but you know what you get. Right. Exactly. So I know that the, the final boss that I'm going to face, what their mechanic is going to be, and I can build my deck as I go. But then maybe like the sixth boss really punishes the strategy that I need for the final boss. So I might then throw a couple of cards in to help me in the sixth boss battle, but still am working towards like, cause the final boss was always like, I found I could consistently get to boss 
seven and it was the final boss that always decided whether or not I was actually going to be able to beat the dungeon. And yeah. so if I'd pick the wrong strategy, then the boss card flips over at the end and I'm like, well, I just lose this. <laughs> so it felt like um, I was losing the dungeon run as soon as that final boss card flipped over, as opposed to actually having to play a Hearthstone game. <laughs> so, yeah. no, I remember that feeling like I remember there was one boss that I just could never beat. And when I looked online, apparently that was a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I just remember thinking, I was like, oh, man, I'm rocking this dungeon run. I had like a little rough spot, but I'm killing it. All I got to hope for is out of the six bosses. I don't I drew that one. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, well, let's see, what class do I want to play next while I ride through the motions of this fight? But yeah, no, I get where you're going at. And I think it's nice to have those earlier bosses to kind of balance it out. So you're not just wrecking face throughout all eight of them. But uh, I get the RNG just because, I mean, Hearthstone as it is, is a heavily RNG favored game. So playing to the theme of it. Yeah, but it was kind of annoying. Yeah, I felt yeah, I felt it was very annoying that could have been fixed with just that one that one thing. Right. Just saying like, okay, here's your bosses for the dungeon. Then I think it would have made the experience a whole lot better. But um, I do like that they're trying new things. I think the puzzle mode is going to be really neat. I'm not 100 percent sure if they're going to have difficulties. So if you played adventures earlier on in Hearthstone's history, they had a normal version and a heroic version. So I'm wondering if because I feel like they haven't been hyping up this puzzle mode nearly as much as they did with Cobalt and Catacombs and with Witchwood. Like they talked a lot more, I feel like, about Dungeon Run. And although when they introduced Dungeon Run, it was 100 percent new content, something a mode that we'd never seen before. So I can see why they might have been hyping it up a little then. But this puzzle mode is totally new, too. So. But I feel like they haven't been talking about it too, too much. And that does worry me a little bit. But I hope that there are normal and heroic versions that we'll be able to complete. But still, I'm having a lot of fun in the Boomsday Project. If you guys uh, haven't been in Hearthstone in a while, I find that the the decks that people are creating right now are really, really fun. There's a lot of variety on ladder. So if you haven't played Hearthstone in a while, go and check out the Boomsday Project. Um... Craft yourself a whiz bang. <laughs> this is probably yeah. my best piece of advice. If you haven't actually played in a long time, whiz bang is a really good way to see a lot of cards and not have to build up a giant collection. So everyone go have a whiz bang. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, wanted to remind everybody that if you like the show, you can go to patreon.com slash the gamers in and support us. We are just shy of our goal for game night. So if you uh, want to play some games with Ryan and I, then uh, please do go over to patreon.com slash the gamers in. You can also join our discord. We have a lot of really cool conversations over there at bit.ly slash TGI discord. Also, we haven't recorded a shipwrecks and shanties in a really long time because I haven't been playing Sea of Thieves, but... I saw some of the stuff for Cursed Sales, which I believe just came out, and I'd really like to get back into Sea of Thieves. So if you guys are interested in playing Sea of Thieves at all, we do have a Shipwrecks and Shanties channel. Again, that's over at bit.ly slash TGI Discord. Join the channel. Let me know you want to play because I do not want to adventure alone. So if you're interested in playing, uh, I was about to say Shipwrecks and Shanties, if you're interested in playing (laughs) Sea of Thieves, make sure you go to the Shipwrecks and Shanties channel and let me know, and hopefully we can get some gameplay in because I feel like 
they've made a lot of good changes to Sea of Thieves since the launch, and it's been a while. I never actually even played The Hungering Deep, so it's been a long, yeah, long time. So, Last time I played is with you and Civ. Yeah, so that would have been like... A while ago. Yeah, within the first... <laughs> within Before the first any additional content was yeah. added. Yeah, because Hungering so. Deep was the first big... <laughs> big air quotes big uh content patch <laughs> and i think that's kind of what deterred me is like when i saw what hungering deep was i was like oh that wasn't as much as i thought it was going to be and so i just kind of never went back but now i feel like they've had a few different uh content patches since then so there seems to be a lot of really cool stuff plus uh cursed sails it looks like there are ghost ships sailing as well. So there's more combat with NPCs and stuff. So it's not just combat with other players. So I think it's going to make the world feel a little bit more populated, populated and dangerous and alive. <laughs> yeah. So so, yeah, again, Sea of Thieves, I'm looking to get back in. So hit me up on Discord and let me know if you also want to sail the high seas. We also have a patron ad this week from Simon, who says Weekly News Desk is a podcast all about the geek news this week. You can join your two knucklehead hosts, Andrew and Simon, as they keep you informed on movies, TV, video games and books. You can find them on iTunes or at weeklynews.com. That brings us to our odds and ends topic of the week this week. We're basically pulled a couple of news stories we're going to tell you guys about, including a new gameplay trailer for Red Dead Redemption 2, which is releasing in October. Josh, how excited are you? Uh, well, let's see. On a scale of 1 to 10, I'm pretty sure I'm a 357. <laughs> That's somewhere around very there. exact. Not how math works, but yeah. very exact. It's somewhere around that number, you know, give <laughs> or take. Plus or minus 10 points. You yeah. Know. <laughs> but so, no, I'm super stoked because I played the heck out of the first Red Dead Redemption, which is like Grand Theft Auto, but in Cowboy World. And it's so amazing um from rockstar games the same as gta so this was actually my problem with the first one because uh before the show you were asking me if i even played the first one i did but i think i only played uh maybe like three or four hours of it i did talk about it on the show but i pretty much dropped it the reason was i picked it up i want to say two or three years after it had launched, like I was way behind on the RDR train. So <laughs> <laughs> I had already heard about how it was the best game ever. It was amazing, blah, blah, blah. So by the time I actually picked it up, I think we were even in a new console cycle. I don't even think that I picked it up while it was like on current consoles. So I was way, way behind. So my gaming experience had kind of been tainted by all the next generation of stuff at the time. So when right. I went back to Red Dead Redemption, I was like, oh, this feels junky, like clanky and just a little bit weird to play. And again, it's because I'd been spoiled by three years of more modern games and more modern yeah. modern systems. Um, but also because my expectations were so high because it was such a highly praised game. And some of the things that I really disliked about Red Dead Redemption, like the biggest thing was just moving through the world. I felt I felt like I was riding a, a model of a horse that steered like I was driving a car, like they just put a horse skin over top of their uh, Grand Theft Auto engine. So I felt like it was really hard to turn. It wasn't as responsive as I wanted it to be. And it just it felt really clunky. And looking at the way the horses move in this gameplay trailer, I'm like, 
okay, it looks like they actually built a model of yep. a horse that bends like a horse would bend and moves like a horse would move. I'm so excited for this game. And I know that sounds like a stupid little nitpick, but when movement mechanics are impeded, for me, I'm just like, if my if my character doesn't respond the way I think my character should respond, it really takes me out of the game when I'm like clipping off of buildings, when I'm when there's a big blank space between me and the building. I'm like, oh, <laughs> like, why am I getting hung up on this? And yeah, so it just when gameplay mechanics like that aren't on point, that's the first thing that breaks my immersion in the game. And I found that happened to me a lot in Red Dead Redemption. The shooting mechanics also I didn't love, but they introduced a new Deadeye system. And this looks that's not, that's not new. Oh, that it's not new. Oh, no, I thought it was one. new. Oh, nope. I must that, not have gotten that far then. <laughs> But yeah, it's like it's McCree's ultimate from Overwatch, right? (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Um, I will say that I did go back and revisit the first Red Dead Redemption. Uh, It was released on PlayStation 3 and what Xbox 360. Is that the equivalent back then? Yeah, so I played on the Um, 360, but after the new stuff had already come out. I will say it's a game that didn't age that well. Uh, When I initially played it, I loved it. I thought it looked cool and everything. But yes, if you've been playing a lot on the next gen and, you know, a pretty awesome computer and then you look at that game. Yeah, it's very janky. I I wanted to replay through the whole thing. I'm not going to replay through the whole thing. (laughs) Um, But uh, when I was playing it, you know, there was also an open world multiplayer kind of thing with it as well that I played a lot with friends. And I'm really did that come out that back. Did that come out much later? I feel like it didn't launch with multiplayer. Yeah, it launched. Oh, did it? Yep. Yep. It was there. The things they added later was like uh, the undead expansion, which they added some multiplayer things with. But the open world and the just kind of your usual like 5v5 deathmatch and whatnot, that was there on release. Interesting. Yep. But like it's so fun I don't know why, like the when you describe it to someone you're like, yeah, it was a nice open world and I'm just riding my horse and I see a bandit and shoot him. And they're like, oh, that's it. And I'm like, you don't understand. There was like a bandit and I shot him. And he's like, <laughs> no, I think that I think went whoosh. And I was like, and I was like oh, man. <laughs> so trying to sell the original Red Dead Redemption is a little hard. But then you watch the gameplay trailer that just dropped for Red Dead Redemption that just dropped today mm-hmm. or the second one. Oh, oh, it's so beautiful. And there's so much to do. And in the next one, they're going to be talking about the jobs and missions and like, oh, please just release it. <laughs> yeah. So there's a lot of interesting mechanics that and I, I guess I obviously did not play very much of the first one. So I'm not sure 100 percent what's new and what's not. But you kind of hit the nail on the head when you said that there seems like there's a lot to do. And I think that I found the first one a little bit repetitive and like there wasn't a lot to do. But this one, it feels like there are so many different things that I can choose to do just by like talking to people in my gang and getting to know people better will open more missions. There's hunting, there's fishing, there's like all these different kind of like currencies and stuff. And the detail in the world, like when he walks into the general store, I'm like, Oh my God, that looks like the general store in the 
teeny tiny little small town up near my cottage. Like that's exactly what a general store looks like. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it uh, the gang part of it is new. In the original Red Redemption, you're just pretty much a lone wolf going off doing your thing. Right. So having like that base camp that you can go back to at the end of the day, I just I know I'm going to be sidetracked by that so hard. Mm-hmm. Like they're going to be like, Josh, you finished the story. But like, I'm not even past chapter one because I got a banging camp right now. Everyone's got plenty of food. I've been hunting. Everyone's dressed in furs. Oh, we rocking it. <laughs> Which is really like, funny because they made it sound like um th- The thing about Red Dead Redemption 2 is they're skirting the line, which I think is very smart because I think this is a very, very interesting story. They're skirting the line between like the Old West stuff and the new industrial, like industrialized modern world. So it's kind of the like end of the era of cowboys and outlaws and moving into the more modern time. And you are kind of like the last of the outlaws. So it seems like a very interesting and compelling story. Like anytime you have these big, fast shifts from like one era to another, that transition period is where the interest lies. So I think they've made a really good choice here because it's also going to further the story because the outlaws and like your camp is going to get destroyed and you're going to have to move on multiple times during the game. Like that's what progresses the story. So I feel like that's a really cool mechanic too. the idea of being driven out by the modern world and having to reestablish yourself somewhere else. I think that's really compelling, but it sounds like that might make you sad because of all the work you're going to put into building your camp. (laughs) If they wipe out like, I get packing up and moving. I get that. But if they're like, oh, you lost all your upgrades and now everyone's just in a loincloth, then I'll be upset. <laughs> but if I hunt loincloth. fox furs all day long, we better have some pretty cool looking coats around here. <laughs> oh, By man. the way, for disclaimer, in real life, I don't wear furs. That's just me. But... <laughs> When I'm in, in Red Dead Redemption West. 2 in the Wild West. <laughs> That's a different story. <laughs> um, so, yeah. And the other thing that they also seem to have done is really expanded the options that are available to you as a player when it comes to interacting with NPCs in, uh, in the world is because, yeah. like, you used to just be able to, like, murder people. But now it's like you can <laughs> escalate or defuse situations you can rob people you can kidnap them you can just murder them if you choose but it's like there's there's a whole bunch of different ways that you can interact with npcs that isn't just like ignore or murder (laughs) so it seems like it has a, a lot deeper system which is kind of allows you to create your own character so even though everyone's going to be playing through as the same main character you get to decide what your play style is going to be and that is very interesting to me yeah i'm glad they added something like that because in the original red dead redemption you know you'd come across things like oh this guy's getting beat up by another guy and he's like help me and the other one's like this ain't your business (laughs) and you like you said you can shoot him or ignore him that was it Whereas in this one, like ignoring them isn't just you right away. You're like, eh, I don't care. You do what you want. And he's like, well, thank you, sir. Go about your business. And he's like, oh, OK, cool. Or you could be like, dude, back off that guy or I'm going to tear you up. He's like, you want to start something? And then you're like, yeah, let's do this. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's the exact dialogue they used back then. Yeah, I could be off. Plus or minus <laughs> 10 points. You don't know. 
but yeah it's pretty cool like if you watch this video how it's like all these random events and you get to say you know do you want to be a dick about it do you want to be like a pacifist do you want to like go fisticuffs every time you can well guess what you can and they made it sound like there's going to be like uh consequences to all this stuff too so i'm really looking forward to see <laughs> how random much... dude at cart will remember that <laughs> Well, there was like a part in the video where he was walking by and that lady's like, you killed my cousin. Be like, oh, yeah, man, if it's... I didn't kill him, would she be like, thank you for saving my cousin? Like, <laughs> my room's upstairs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, you never know. It's like, oh, man, I could have got laid, but I laid the guy to rest. What, 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 who's I thought, chose right? poorly. <laughs> <laughs> you have chosen wisely. <laughs> But yeah, so there there seems to be a whole lot to do in this one. And there's another video coming soon. I'm not sure exactly when, but uh, they did tease the second gameplay video. So that should be coming out soon with. Um, so they definitely teased fishing. So that'll go along with like hunting and other gathering things that you can do in the world. But this one also showed a lot more about, like I mentioned, how the horse moves and stuff. But there's also kind of hints of like Zelda Breath in the Wild in that your horse will perform better if you have a good relationship with it. So yeah. you can kind of, so you, you get to brush your horse, which makes me happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it definitely feels like they took the, the horse mechanic, which was kind of important in the first one. But now they made it like, look, this is your means of transportation. It's your companion. We're going to make a big deal out of it. Like, there's, there's multiple horses. kinds of horses, too. Yeah, right? there's horses that do better with pulling carriages, horses that do better doing work. Some that are better that you ride around shooting people with and you take care of them and they've got saddlebags like there's just this whole thing around the horses, which is amazing. It looks so cool. It's kind of like they took a lot of the systems that they had in the first game and then really, really fleshed them out and brought them up to like current day standards so I'm really excited about this. I also am in kind of a Western state of mind, I guess, because I've really been enjoying Westworld. So I'm totally on board with uh, with doing Red Dead Redemption Western things. <laughs> All the cowboy hats, please. <laughs> well, I'm getting it for PlayStation, so you better too. And we can cowboy it together. You know, I think I'm going to because I find I get uh, like when we were playing on the Switch today, I enjoyed it immensely because I spent so much time in front of the computer, whether it's recording or editing or a lot of the games that I play, like Warcraft, that I sink a lot of time into. I'm always sitting downstairs in the basement on my computer, having a chance to just sit on the couch and play games. I've said this a couple times in the history of Gamers In, but like. I get way too tunneled in on PC stuff, and yeah, I miss the couch experience. So I played uh, Detroit Become Human, obviously, it was a couch game, and I'm looking forward to another, like, big couch game a la Horizon Zero Dawn. So, um, yeah, I think Red Dead Redemption 2 is going to be a good PlayStation title. So the only thing is, I have a PlayStation 4. I don't have the PlayStation plus or pro or whatever like the halfway to new generation playstation is <laughs> yeah i think it's pro i think it's pro yeah. um so i don't know how well this is gonna play on my older crappier playstation well i think it's it's, it's still gonna play well it's not gonna look like the cinematic that we just watched today like 
I'm pretty sure the in-game footage that they showed is either on a high-end PC or a uh, or the Pro. Yeah. Or the oh, it's actually or the it's not Xbox. even being released on PC. So yeah, it's either oh. Xbox One X or the PlayStation Four Pro. Right. So. So yeah, I don't have I I just have a regular Xbox One and I just have a regular PlayStation Four. So. Maybe this is an excuse to update my PlayStation so that when I play Horizon again, it will also look better. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if that's how it works. It's how it works, game. Josh. La, 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 la. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you have it as long as you're playing Horizon Zero Dawn. There you go. Uh, another piece of news this week is uh, we saw an IGN editor, Philip, I'm totally going to butcher this last name, Mucin? Maybe that's what we'll call him anyways. Uh, was, say, I'm not going to try it. You can. It <laughs> <laughs> uh, was found to be plagiarizing reviews. So he posted a dead cell video review that even though it did use different video footage, his like audio commentary track over top of it was like ridiculously close to another reviewer from uh and actually i'm going to look it up because i don't want to get it wrong um boomstick but i was like i know it's boom something but i'm like i have i also have boomsday on my like in my head from hearthstone so i'm like i don't want to get it wrong but uh yeah gaming on youtube yeah and I couldn't believe like at first I was kind of like, OK, when it's written, it's really, really easy to tell. But I'm like, if you didn't take your video footage, like how close can this possibly be? And if you actually go over to Boomstick Gaming, he posted a video and this is how it obviously came to light, saying basically that IGN plagiarized my review. What do I do? And uh, it's like side by side and he's like okay so at this point in the video here's my sentence here's this sentence and it's very much like the guy had a thesaurus i was flipping through and was like okay what's another word for compelling what's another word for fun and was just like swapping out a word here or there or reordering the sentence like you would do in high school i guess if you were like a really bad student like yeah cliff notes exactly cliff notes uh man it was it was very obviously copied and so since then ign has let the reviewer go so he no longer works with ign but um what are your thoughts in plagiarizing in general like to me if you're working for a company that is as widely known as a ign or a kotaku how do you even think that you're ever going to get away with this? Well, for this person, individual, they actually found past examples of him doing it. Oh, yeah, this um, this was not his first time for sure. Yeah, um, but I don't know. I've like read some things where people try to justify it in a sense of, you know, it's a long work day and, you know, you're just mentally exhausted, but you got to beat this deadline. But for me, it's just kind of one of those things where it's like, if I'm hungry, do I go steal food? You know, if I'm poor and hungry and I steal food, does that make it less of a crime? For me, it's like, well, no, at the end of the day, you still broke the law and there's still that question of morality. Can you justify it in your own head? Yeah, but I just I don't see any justification for it. And it's just so disappointing, like. When you look at the words he used, some, a lot of it is repetitive. You'll hear in a lot of 
reviews in general. Right. Um, there are definitely certain when buzz, you look, there's certain buzzwords yeah. that we use in the industry for sure. I know like Ryan and I are totally guilty of it. But at yeah. the same time, when it's you're when using you look at the it's when you look at the sentence structure, like yeah. when you look at it as a whole, then you're like, man, this guy didn't even try. Yeah. Like, I think that's what makes me most upset. It's like, you know, if you're going to do it and you work for this huge journalistic company, you got to try at least, you know, like. Well, in uh, my just, way of thinking, just the side by sides, like, I don't think it's good to plagiarize. I'm not saying go plagiarize if you can pull it off. For me, it's like, OK, you did something bad. You got caught. You got fired. You deserved it. End of story. But. I don't know. I'm just disappointed at how easy it is to spot at sometimes because that just shows. I don't know. Oh, you're saying not that he didn't even try like to play it and review it properly. It's like he didn't even try when he was plagiarizing like he didn't. And this is the thing that I find crazy is that they didn't even use like the same video footage. So I'm just like, you had to play the game, obviously. The review itself is three minutes long. Could you not have had three minutes of original thought? Like it to me, it seems like it would be even harder to go like sentence for sentence, timing for timing, (laughs) matching somebody else's review. (laughs) It's just I don't know, like it's disappointing in every sense. Like if I'm looking at it from all points of views and if I'm looking at this from a you plagiarize somebody, it's disappointing that you plagiarize you got fired you deserved it if i'm looking at it from the editor standpoint and he's trying to justify it to himself i'm still like well yeah but you didn't try like if i'm gonna steal food because i'm hungry i'm gonna try to not get caught you know i'm not gonna walk into a store and go hey y'all i'm gonna take this candy bar uh i don't have any money <laughs> i hope it's cool yeah and that's what it feels like <laughs> yeah you know? it's like uh, if you want to try to justify it in any way, you got to at least put some sort of effort. This is just lazy, you know. Well, just, and that's the thing. Like when you're talking about his justification, this is where he absolutely loses me. Like I obviously I don't think that you should ever plagiarize anyone else. as a content creator. You should never plagiarize somebody else's work. But the thing that really gets me is the arc is basically his argument that, you know, it's a long day, lots of work, blah, 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 blah. But As far as I know, this guy was a freelancer for them, right? So to me, what that says is like either IGN is working people too hard or you took on too many projects. And I feel like as a freelancer myself, that's probably what it is, is that he lacked time management and he took on too many projects. And so therefore, something's got to give. That's on him. That's not on IGN. And if it's the flip side of that, if it's IGN is working people too hard, then again, like I'm not sure again how contracts work with IGN. I don't know if they just contract him for X number of hours a week or if and then like give him a workload or if it's like project by project, if it's project by project, then it doesn't matter who he's working for as the freelancer. He took on too many projects from IGN. And if it's IGN pays you for a certain number of hours a week and then pours on the workload again, it's still on the freelancer to be like, hey, you're not paying me for enough hours or you're giving me too much work. I can't do this review. Like plagiarizing would never be on my list of how do I solve a workload that's too big? Like (laughs) I would go to IGN and say, you have to give this dead cells review to somebody else because you're not paying me enough. You're not giving me or you're giving me too much work, like whatever. I can't get this done in the time that you're paying me for. So give it to somebody else. And maybe he felt like as a freelancer, he couldn't do that because he didn't want to lose his job. But 
plagiarizing and getting caught lost him his job anyway. So yeah, I feel like plagiarizing 100% of the time is going to get you fired. And telling someone that your workload is too big is going to get you fired maybe half the time. But like, you don't want to work for that company anyway. Like if you're putting out five reviews a week or something and IGN gets mad at you and says that that's not enough, you're not producing enough, then you walk away from IGN, you go work for another company. But this way, like there is no review site that's going to hire this guy now. He's totally screwed his career. Why would you do that? (laughs) Like I can almost side with him. Almost. I don't. I can almost side with him if it was the I feel overworked. Uh, if it was his only job and he really needed to hit this deadline for whatever circumstance. However, all of that goes out the window once you see that this is not the first time he's done it. Right. Like whatever excuse you have here and now is gone because it's like, oh, you stole a candy bar one time, slap on the wrist. Wait, what do you mean he steals groceries every two weeks? Like, you know, it's like... I don't know. Just, I'm glad he got fired. I hate saying something like that, but it was like, it was the right as someone move. myself. Yeah, as someone myself who's made stuff and has had the issue with someone taking it, like it's a bad feeling on that end. And it's just something that if you've had it happen to you, you would never do it to someone else. Mm-hmm. And it's just I can't forgive it. You know, it's not the super heinous crime of the century, but at the same time. I'm not going to shed a tear if you end up losing your job, which he did. So just out of curiosity, what did you have taken and how did you realize it? Because I feel like I I almost feel bad, like I'm making shitty content that nobody wants because I don't think I've ever been plagiarized. So I'm really curious to know, was it like something written? Was it easy for you to find or like what happened? Uh, It was stories like back when I played WoW. I used to write fictional stories like a lot more than I do now. Uh, And I like we had a whole website set up for it. Like there'd be forums where we post our own stories. There's some active stories and someone from there actually found someone posting it on another website. And it it was like a whole nother website that had a kind of like a similar setup to where it was just a bunch of people who'd like to work or write fan fiction or just new fiction in itself. They could share it with everybody. Uh, so when I was told that and I went and checked it out, I was like, man, this is like, like at least this guy changed a little bit. This was copy and paste. <laughs> wow. And <laughs> so he yeah. was just like straight up taking credit <laughs> for your work. Yeah. And it's like when you're like for me, it's very small time. Like back when I was writing these stories, it was solely because I was in love with the war world of Warcraft lore. And I wanted to write more stuff around it, create my own characters. I had no intention of doing anything with it, but then just sharing it with my guild mates and having fun with it. So in that sense, it's a very easy target to take from somebody in that, you know, like I'm mm-hmm. not posting it. Cause you're not trying to, to make any money and they're not making any money. Like, right. Yeah. So it does have a lasting effect. Like to this day, I write stuff and I'm terrified, like posting it in Discord or something. Because then my mind goes, you know, if you put it in Discord, someone could just take it, copy, paste it somewhere else. And what are you going to say? Oh, I did it first. So this is a he said, she said argument because you don't have anything to back it up. So Mm -hmm. it's a really crummy feeling to kind of stick with you when someone does that. 
So I can imagine how this YouTuber feels where like he's making money. This is his thing. This is his content. Someone just takes it from him. It's like, ugh. The one plus side to all of this is that Boomstick Gaming had something like 10K followers before and he's up to almost 60,000 now. So at least (laughs) at least it's been a really big boost and he's getting the recognition that he deserves. And who knows, maybe IGN will hire him to do reviews. I don't know. But the point is, the original content creator is being rewarded for the fact that, you know, he yeah. got copied by a giant news outlet because I think IGN has like 10 million followers on YouTube or something. So he's getting the credit he deserves, which is good. So something good did come out of this. I believe IGN also said that they were going to compensate him because the um, IGN video was monetized. So all of the views and all of the ad money and everything from that uh, Dead Cells review that was plagiarized obviously made IGN money. So I believe right. I did read that they are going to compensate uh, Boomstick Gaming. So good things did come out of this. IGN did the right thing by um, boosting Boomstick Signal by, you know, like also compensating him and by firing the the reviewer responsible for the plagiarism. So overall, IGN, I think, acted well and did the right thing in this case. But um yep. One more question before we wrap the show, because you brought it up. I'm very curious. Are you playing World of Warcraft? And if you are going into Battle for Azeroth, are you Horde or Alliance? Uh, I am Forever Alliance. <gasps> the only reason I had a Horde character is because I played with you and AIE. But even then, I didn't play them that much. I've been Breaking Alliance my heart. since vanilla. Since the day it came out, I've been Alliance. So... Suck it up, Buttercup. But I'm not playing. So. <laughs> but you're not going to play Battle for Azeroth. Fair no, enough. Part of me wants to just to experience the story. But then part of me knows that the story should have ended at Sargeras because everything before World of Warcraft just kind of made it like, oh, Sargeras is the big baddie. So once that's done, it's over with. So now that it's done, it's like, oh, we're still going. OK. Yeah. And um, it feels more like we just <laughs> need to keep Warcraft going. We just need to keep selling expansions. But uh, yeah, we've already dealt yeah. with the, the big bad that the whole entire universe sets up. So you're kind of on the fence about how this is all going to work. Yeah, I'm I'm going to play vicariously through your tweets and Discord <laughs> posts and some podcasts. I just I want to know what happens and I want to see what happens. But at the same time, I don't want to play it. So. There's so many other good things to play right now. I definitely get that yeah. feeling. <laughs> Well, every month there's a new game coming out for the Switch that I want. Yeah. So for me, it's like, oh, and again, I don't have a real computer and I don't want to see if Warcraft destroys my only laptop. So <laughs> Fair enough. All right, Josh. I'm fine with the, the vicarious. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining me tonight. You've been a fabulous guest as always. Why don't you tell everybody where they can find you online? Uh, you can find me at the underscore JDC on Twitter. I'm usually just posting things that happen to me in RimWorld. Which are hilarious uh, stories, you guys. If you're not following Josh, you're really missing out because oh, we man. cured your 50% brain damage problem. <laughs> so if only we could do that in real that. life. <laughs> you still don't have a pinky on one of your hands, but we cured brain damage. You're a fully functional human being now. 
99.9% minus a pinky. That's that's close enough. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. You can visit us on the web at gamersinpodcast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter. You can find me, Jocelyn, at Joss Plays. Ryan is at R. Murphy. And don't forget to follow the show at The Gamers In. The video versions of our episodes are streamed on Thursdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern on twitch.tv slash The Gamers In and are available after the fact over on Twitch. If you'd like to email the show and let us know what you think about anything we've talked about this week, please do so at info at gamersinpodcast.com. Thanks for staying at the Gamers Inn. Remember, tune in next week. Bye, everybody. Adios. Adios.